Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can now read me on the Fox Sports app or foxsports.com. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places, but there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA, and that is here. So you can probably tell by the sound of my voice, a little under the weather, Uh, I don't know if that's going to affect my energy level in this podcast, but we shall see. It's a topic that should have me energized, so I think we're going to get through it. feel much better than I sound at this point. Appreciate your concern. You would think that I enjoyed watching the Suns, the Phoenix Suns, pound the Los Angeles Lakers Friday night, seeing as I have been suggesting for a while now that the Lakers should not be favored to come out of the West and just prior to the season tag the Suns as the team most likely to do that. I would have thought that I would enjoy it had you told me that that's what was going to happen. But we, you and I, would be wrong because I made the mistake of turning up the sound. That's on me, of course, but I did it because of the heated exchange between Dwight Howard and Anthony Davis in the second quarter. And yes, I was watching from home because I wasn't feeling well, in part. I turned up the sound hoping that there would be some discussion about what precipitated that heated exchange. I didn't get it from Doris Burke, but I fully expected the halftime crew of Stephen A. Smith, Michael Wilbon, Jalen Rose, and Mike Greenberg to address it. Nope. Everyone, top to bottom, immediately sided with AD, not having the slightest idea what might have precipitated it, other than AD was the one yelling at Dwight Howard as they went into the timeout, and then putting hands on him in the huddle when Dwight tried to stand up. I will give Jalen Rose credit. Being the only guy on the set, who knows how players think, he hinted at it. This was Dwight Howard's first game since being snubbed for the all-time 75 list. But Jalen quickly dismissed it, acted as if it would be forgotten by the time the team came back out for the second half. I'm guessing that's because Jalen, as a player, 
routinely had such beefs. I don't know how many of those were ironed out, but I do know Jalen developed a reputation as a locker room lawyer, a guy who had a flair for finding a disgruntled teammate and creating a clique. I suspect that's one reason Jalen never played on a team that came close to winning a title. Because disagreements like the one AD and Dwight had two games into the season is not normal. Nor does it go away unless addressed. Dwight happened to be on the floor with five guys who did make the top 75, including four teammates. How many of those teammates stood up for him and said he should have been a top 75 pick? You know, the way Draymond and Steph Curry did for their teammate Klay Thompson, even making a joke out of it and getting him, since there were actually 76 guys picked, getting Klay a 77 jersey, which he then wore around proudly. I mean, they had fun with it. That's what a healthy environment does. You would have thought AD and LeBron might have some appreciation for the role Dwight played in winning the title with them in the bubble, being arguably the most efficient complementary player in memory. The dude shot 73% during the regular season, averaging 7.7 rebounds and a blocked shot while playing less than 19 minutes a night. He averaged less than 16 minutes in the bubble playoffs, but was nearly as efficient. You think it's any accident he got tangled up with Chris Paul, another top 75 selection whose resume is actually comparable to Dwight's? I have no problem with Dwight feeling some kind of a way about all that. I would too. What made this such a missed opportunity from a broadcasting standpoint is that you had three voters for the top 75 with microphones. Stephen A., Wilbon, and Doris. Not one of them talked about whether or not they voted for Dwight or the other guys who were chosen. Whether Dwight feeling snubbed was legit. Not one of them talked about the fact that here Dwight was on the floor with five guys who did make that list. Not one of them brought up the thundering silence from his teammates about the snub. Whether you think he belonged on the list or not, and I do, it was a conversation worth having, especially in a game that was a colossal blowout. And I have to ask, where was LeBron James in all this? As the team leader, I would have hoped he, not Rondo, would be in the middle of the scrum operating as peacemaker. I mean, I could see him there, but it wasn't as if he went out of his way to settle things down. I didn't see him huddled with Dwight at any point. And that would have been the guy for him to talk to, not AD because they're already boys. But Dwight, to get his head right. Now Dwight afterward went out of his way to emphasize that he and AD had talked it out and squashed the beef. And they're saying the essence of the beef was over a defensive rotation on pick and roll which is very likely. But let's be real. That was the conversation starter. Disagreements on rotations happen all the time. They don't land lead to hands being put on each other or going chin to chin yapping. Guys don't have to be separated because they have a disagreement on a rotation. Aside from Dwight feeling salty about the lack of support and show of respect from the 75ers, there are a whole host of issues bubbling below the surface for him. If I'm Dwight, I have to wonder why DeAndre Jordan is starting ahead of me. 
coming off the bench behind Joel Embiid last year is one thing. Being behind a guy who is basically waived is another. And DeAndre's resume doesn't compare to Howard's, current or previous. And who's more familiar with Frank's system, Dwight or DeAndre? I also suspect Dwight getting on Rajon Rondo for throwing him a late lob in the Phoenix game that resulted in a turnover rather than a bucket also got under AD's skin. Why so late? Why so late? Dwight kept asking peevishly, which seems a little much considering it's Rondo, one of the most willing passers in the game, who has a pretty good track record of putting the ball in the right place at the right time, especially for bigs. Now, Rondo and AD are boys, have been since they played together in New Orleans. All in all, it's pretty clear that Howard is on a bit of an island with this team. I can't speak to whether or not that's deserved, but that man has been a punching bag in one way or another for years. Even with some of it self-inflicted, there's nothing pretty about a guy in a team sport being ostracized. It's got that Lord of the Flies feel to it. And I'm going to say it again. He gave them meaningful minutes two years ago when they won the title. But Dwight should also know after 17 years in the league that telling the media, essentially, that there's nothing to see here is not going to fly. There are a dozen reasonable explanations for why they went at each other. They all know they need to play better. They have high expectations for the team. They both pride themselves on playing good defense. I mean, honestly, I could have given him a half a dozen reasons. Instead, he admonished reporters not to make a big deal out of something that wasn't a big deal. Dwight, everything involving the Lakers is a big deal, especially with this year's star-laden team and sky-high expectations. If anybody should understand that, someone who is in his third stint with the organization should. Telling reporters there's nothing to see here is also dishonest. There was something to be seen, and we all saw it. What also annoyed me watching is that I have the Phoenix Suns, as I mentioned, as my pick right now to go back to the NBA Finals. And I had to watch Devin Booker demonstrate why that may have been a flawed choice. Because there is no rhyme or reason to Devin's game. Still, I had hoped that after the playoff run, after his ever-shrinking performances round by round in the playoffs... There would have been soul-searching, some tape-watching, some reality-checking by the young man. Apparently not. We can debate who is more skilled, Mikael Bridges or Devin Booker, but there is no question that Bridges is the smarter player, by twofold. Devin waits for the ball, and then he looks for a shot. That's it. That's the extent of his thinking. And if the shot is not there, okay, who can I get the ball to next? Not setting anything up. Simply, I need a bailout. For a heartbeat or two, the game got interesting in the final couple of minutes, largely because Devin had no floor awareness or urgency to protect the ball, playing as if the game was already over, resulting in a couple of quick turnovers that momentarily dropped the Suns' lead into single digits. Suns get contributions from a lot of guys. They have a great distribution of responsibilities. That's why I like them. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Devin, by no means, is the engine that decides how the team goes. But he is a big part of what they are, obviously, as their leading scorer. How he gets those points and what he does when he isn't shooting or scoring matters. But for all that bothers me about Devin, I can't say enough about Bridges. When a guy gets paid, as he did, I believe $90 million over four years, it's really easy for him to try to prove he deserved all that money and play over his head or try to do too much. I've seen it happen countless times. It's not an intentional thing. It's just, you want to make good. They paid me. I want to show them that I'm worth the money. And then the reason the guy made the money is because he stayed in his lane and he did his role. He loses sight of that. They complimented Mikhail on the broadcast as well. They just did it for the wrong damn reason. He had the task of guarding LeBron and was credited for battling him in the post. The analysis whiffed on what made Mikhail so effective against LeBron and that he didn't try to battle him, at least not for position. When LeBron goes to his post-up, like most guys, he likes to be able to feel the defender's body on him. If the defender is draped on him, then he can bump him to create the space to take his shot. He's kind of a power post-up player, not a finesse footwork type looking to spin into a jump hook or pump fake and go up and under, a la Akeem Olajuwon. His mid-range jumper, by the way, works off the same principle. He likes to be crowded. He likes to be able to feel, feel you, bump you off, know that he's got the space to get his jumper off. Now, Mikel is listed at 6'6", 209 pounds, and has nicknames like Noodles, String Bean, Brittle, and Praying Manis. So, probably as much by necessity as design, he didn't get into LeBron's body, keeping him instead at arm's length. Like, LeBron couldn't didn't really have a feel for exactly where Mikhail is or was and knows that Bridges has a pretty good wingspan. So last thing LeBron wanted was to get his shot blocked by a Mikhail Bridges. Now, LeBron could have turned and taken a little jump hook or one-handed floater as soon as he didn't feel him, but he doesn't have that in his arsenal, or at least not to the point that he trusts it. Now, I'm recording this after the Lakers outlasted the Grizzlies to notch their first win this season. And it looked as if the Lakers might pull away midway through the fourth quarter when they hit a string of threes by Carmelo Anthony, LeBron, and Malik Monk. But it went to the final seconds as John Morant went to the line to shoot three free throws. Make all three, and the score is tied with 2.5 seconds to go, and we're probably going overtime. He only made two. This, though, is one of the other issues the Lakers are going to face that makes their advanced age, LeBron's in particular, problematic. They are going to have a hard time putting teams away because of their defense. The Grizzlies were playing their second game in as many nights and looked a little raggedy down the stretch. The Lakers shot 53%, both from the floor and from three-point range, and barely scratched out the win. And I know... 
They've got a ton of offensive talent. But shooting 53% from three-point range, nobody does that. The Grizzlies, meanwhile, that are usually efficient shooters, missed a ton of good looks. Kyle Anderson, career 48% shooter, was one for eight. Jaron Jackson Jr., also a career 48% shooter, was three for 12. Now why, Lakers fans might ask, are you not giving the Lakers credit for making them shoot below their percentage? Well, I would, if they deserve the credit. I watched the games. Memphis had all the open looks it needed. Even Desmond Bain, who shot 43% from three his rookie year, missed five of his seven three-point attempts, and they were almost all clean. Set your feet and let it fly looks. The Lakers should win their share of games because of all that firepower. Carmelo had the hot hand against the Grizzlies. Let's see who steps up at San Antonio on Tuesday. But they're not going to be able to sit LeBron and AD a whole lot of fourth quarters if they want to win their share. They simply can't get stops consistently and still run a high-powered offense. And while Westbrook had, I don't know, double-digit assists for sure, he also had nine turnovers. They're not going to run efficiently when they're running offense through him. That's not the exception. Those numbers are not an exception. Those are the rule. And although they have a few guys injured, Trevor Ariza, Talon Horton Tucker, Kendrick Nunn, or Wayne Ellington, all those guys aren't going to make a significant difference as far as defense is concerned or closing games. I also found this interesting at the end of the Grizzlies game. There was a point where Memphis had to foul to extend the game and the legendary Stu Lance even pointed out that the number one thing the Lakers had to do was have nothing but good free throw shooters on the floor except that Russell Westbrook was still out there even though he's shooting 37.5% on the season and shot 65% last season while Avery Bradley a 78% free throw shooter was on the bench now Frank Vogel did make sure that Russ Westbrook was the inbounder, but the play had been extended and the ball somehow wound up with Russ. You simply don't take that chance. My suspicion is that Frank Vogel does not want to create a Ben Simmons issue where by doing the right thing technically, which is taking Russ off the floor at the end of tight games, the same way Doc Rivers did with Ben Simmons, Frank alienates one of his stars and creates a bigger problem. Although if he can't coach with a free hand and if he's afraid to do what he thinks gives them the best chance to win, then that's a problem in itself as well. In any case, it bears watching. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United Recast Network. I might continue, but I'm not sure my voice is going to hold up. So... Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And a number of other things I want to get into certainly have been teasing uh, a conversation about the Chicago Bulls. That needs to be had sooner rather than later. So let's see what else falls out with the beginning of the week. But in the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.